Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everyone to RB1 Golden of Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host, once conducted the now completely dead Devin Funches hype train, rom-com aficionado, worshiper of Nikhil Harry and Damian Harris truther, the old Mary guy Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, doubter of Juju Smith-Schuster, proponent for a line of Jon Snow hair products, you heard it here first, resident old man Clark Barnes, and Sabbath Jira! Proud father of Quentin Nelson, WNBA hot take machine, wine connoisseur, and the man who boldly said Tampa Bay Buccaneers will make the playoffs this year, working girl Jordan Smith. And the biggest 49ers fan you know, Arya Stark is his spirit animal. Oh, my phone is blowing up and distracting me. Go away, phone. Uh, the only man who hates Larry Fitzgerald, a fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, the ginger normal man, Nick Botterford. How are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Ready for some Monday night footballs. It would be a much more exciting Monday night footballs if uh, Sam Darnold didn't have mono, didn't didn't make out with Demarius Thomas as soon as he got sent from the Patriots. Full of mono. Yeah. yeah. I can use a little Sammy Darnold because I have a 42-point deficit to make up, and I'm playing uh, Trevor Simeon, David Njoku, Jameson Crowder, and now <laughs> Damian Ratley because Rashard Higgins is out. So. Were you playing playing against, or you are play, or you are deploying them? Those are my yeah. Those are my four guys. I'm deploying okay. them. Good luck. Injury ravaged. <laughs> Clearly, damn. Um, I still put up some points. Whatever. You still Nobody put up. Your fantasy team. No one cares. No one cares about your fantasy team, Jordan. Don't even pretend like anyone cares because we all don't. We're moving on from your fantasy team because it's stupid. Oh, one more thing. No, <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, no. I definitely need to mention this one thing about my fantasy team. Um, yeah, like Jordan said, we got lots to talk about this week uh, because obviously we got week two MVPs. We've got waiver wire ads, but mainly a lot of injuries went down down this week. We got two major quarterback ones, uh, which we're going to talk about, talk about the fantasy fallout there. But before we get into all of that, uh, I think it's always important to remind ourselves that sports are just sports and that they shouldn't cloud our view of what's right and what's wrong. Uh, and I bring this up because I found myself doing just that when Antonio Brown, when the news broke about him being charged with rape and domestic violence for 2017 and 2018. Um, and I wanted to take a quick moment just to touch on it. Uh, it's not that I cared so much about Brown playing with the Patriots. Uh, it's more that I just wanted to prevent all of the quote, well, of course the Patriots signed them. All they care about is winning holier than thou types who love to shit uh, and rag on the Patriots. It's naive to think that they're the only franchise in the NFL that's done anything wrong. We've talked about many teams on this podcast who have a very checkered history, but 
that shouldn't matter. What should matter is that Brown should not be in New England. And I think it's really weird and wrong that he played Sunday uh, amidst all these allegations. And I just wanted to take the time to remind everyone to be a human first and not a sports fan and react to uh, violence, crimes, things that we hear off the field that are reported about players on our team or just sports in general, and to uh, digest that information as a human rather than a sports fan and your number one allegiance going to that person. Uh, I thought I was above that or or past it, but clearly I'm not. So uh, just maybe don't rush to the defense of someone who clearly has problems uh, just because they are on your football team or sports team. So just wanted to take a moment to just do a a nice reminder for everyone that uh, be a human first and react to news as a human would, uh, not as a sports fan. Yeah, I think though, Pete, to uh, give yourself a little bit more credit, there's reacting as a sports fan and then there's just wanting to believe the best in people. And in this case, it would be best for literally all parties involved if none of this information was true. Um, Unfortunately, you are... Antonio Brown is at, at, at best, he's just a terrible person who doesn't pay people who work for him. And when you get new information on certain, uh, certain stories, certain sagas, such as this one, you're allowed to, to amend your, your comments or your beliefs on it. And I, it's better to amend those comments than to just, double down, dig in harder, and refuse to uh, to acknowledge that you might be uh, a little wrong. Yeah. Agree with everything everyone has said and would also like to add, you can also just wait and see how everything turns out. Yep. So. I mean, I'm not saying to invite him to your bot mitzvah or anything, but, you know, like. We, <laughs> or we to live in your guest house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tom. Hey, uh, Pete. Yeah, I just I want to say I, I like everything you're saying, man. Um, yeah, be a person first. Yeah, it was it was a, I had a discussion with Becca uh, about it and I found myself like slowly uh, moving towards defending Antonio Brown. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is not a good look. I need to take a step back and reconsider things. Um, and so anyways. Um, let's move on though. Let's talk fantasy week two MVP. Clark, who's your MVP for this week? So this may be the beginning of a campaign because my fantasy MVP this week is RB1 podcast favorite Lamar Jackson. Unbelievable again. And it's not as though we were the only people on this, but I think that the community was certainly divided on where Lamar Jackson was going to end up this year. And that was reflected in where he was drafted. Uh, Granted, he hasn't played the stiffest competition in these first couple of weeks, but we are seeing him take a step forward and we are seeing uh, what can truly happen with today's NFL rules and today's rushing NFL quarterback. And I am Super happy to be on board and witnessing this and starting Lamar Jackson everywhere. Lamar Jackson for actual NFL MVP and fantasy MVP. Yeah, that campaign is hot and alive and it is going to go all year long. I think it's so good that we did not uh, have a RB1 
fran- uh, an RB1 podcast league because we would have all fought to take Lamar at 101. <laughs> you would have been the number one pick of that league, hands down, uh, without problem, because you, I'm sure you, you said, Clark, you own him everywhere. I own him everywhere. I'm sure Jordan owns him everywhere. And Nick, you maybe, you know, I mean, you don't really care about football and Lamar Jackson as much as we, I feel wow. like you're, you, <laughs> Wow! I just the thing is, Pete is last year I was on Lamar Jackson before all you guys, and then guys, and now this year I moved on to being on the Dak and Kyler Murray train. Oh sure, so sure, sure, cool, 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 cool. I'm still yeah. very much uh, in on on Lamar Jackson. He was just going too early for me this year uh, in draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 tenth round, Nick's like, no, I'm sorry, I like my Dak Prescott at the non-existent draft pick. Yeah, do you know how many uh, like? deep threat wide receivers you can get after you've drafted seven <laughs> running backs in a row in the 10th round. Uh, yeah. Lamar Jackson, I, I have a feeling is going to be mentioned uh, as an MVP of fantasy for the whole year. Cause he looks damn good. And that Ravens offense looks damn good. Jordan, who's your MVP for the week? Uh, my MVP for the week is for all you redraft league heads out there. Uh, I'm going with the New England Patriots defense as my MVP, Um, partly because your defense is, it's important, defense matters too, but mostly you just want to trot your defense out week in and week out and uh, hope they don't frick anything up for you. Like, you're just like, please just don't score negative points. I just need you to sustain. Now, the Patriots decided to go out there and score 36 fantasy points. Um, They allowed zero points they had four interceptions seven sacks two of those picks returned for a touchdown and they did not let the dolphins eclipse 200 overall yards i don't think they let them get past a buck 50 and made miami just they probably cried in the car on the way home but it's it's new england's defense um yeah for for those reasons because again you don't really expect your defense to go out there and put up uh, RB1 points, but they just did. There was a crazy stat I saw that I, and I don't know if this was at the end of the game or like some point in the third quarter, because that's when I saw the clip from it. But at one point late in the game, Ryan Fitzpatrick had 86 yards uh, and four interceptions while targeting his receivers. Uh, he had in the Patriots defense on catching Ryan Fitzpatrick's passes had 123 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> the Patriots had more interception yards than Ryan Fitzpatrick had throwing yards to his wide receivers. So the brutal. Dolphins have been outscored by like 110 points to 10 points. Like they've literally been sco- outscored by a, we're, we're a wrong. century mark. Sorry. We're wrong about so many teams that you know we talk about how wrong we are all the time but uh, sometimes we're right uh, the dolphins look like they're going to be absolutely horrible the dolphins are we might be looking i mean forget the zero and 16 browns and lions this dolphins team regardless of what their record ultimately is might just be the like worst football team ever can we cross them out of the playoff race <laughs> is, it, is it too early are they is still it, in is it, they're technically probably still in the well, thing that I want to call attention to, though, is this is by design, and we're very probably looking at like it, one of the strongest rosters yes. in football in like 2021, 2022. Except for the uh, fact that like you're losing 
I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, who's one of your best young defensive cornerstones, is now requesting a trade. Like, players are trying to get out of that situation because it's such a dumpster fire. So, I agree yeah, with you, Nick. Like, I think it is we're this is all a well constructed shit show, uh, in terms of the tanking world. It's just a question of like, you need to have, it seems like in the foot in football you need to have at least some sort of chance at winning games otherwise players especially young guys who are looking to you know kind of make names for themselves are going to be like well do i really want to be here now i so i think that that's that's probably a, a reasonable uh you know a, a take I, and i think that we are seeing that that's happening but it's worth noting that like this team is in uncharted Oh, waters yeah. no one's no one's ever done this before so knowing exactly how it's going to go um wasn't something they i, I don't think that they ever thought they were gonna be like yeah we're gonna be ahead of every single step on this one you know um the, the closest one was of course sashi brown and haslam fired him once hugh told him you know you had you got to do it um so it's yeah we're, we're we're in uncharted territory here. They're they are figuring those aspects out on the go. But I I for one am I like I think it's pretty admirable. I think it sucks for some of the people involved. But if if the if the ownership if Shad Khan he still owns the Dolphins right? No, no he's, he, a he's a Jaguars. Yeah, who, I well, Stephen Ross. So yeah, if Stephen Ross if he's still down like if he's willing to watch this we are going to watch the biggest 180 in all of sports very likely i mean they, like yeah they have to hit on their picks but they are gonna have so many picks and and I, it, it sucks that they had to lose tunsil and and likely minka but yeah this wasn't gonna go perfectly we'll see comparatively it's like you know you're comparing it to the nba and tanking in the nba but I think it's a lot easier to get 12 guys who are making a couple mil a right. year in the NBA where their careers can last significantly longer than asking like some really good young guys to just sacrifice it a year of their short playing span. But if they can deal with that, then, you know, the other side could be very green. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it, it, on the one hand, it is a job creator for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that's, you know, that's nice. <laughs> Fitzmagic uh, going to always have work. Nick, uh, who is your MVP for week two? Um, so, okay, it's it's MVP for week two and and for the season. Um, I, there is no one in, in fantasy sports who is having as large of an impact as Austin Eckler is. The guy was coming off the board in, you know, sixth round earliest, and often t- uh, in many cases later on, he's the running back one across all formats. The, He's an animal. I mean, I, I've got him a uh, sneak pre or a uh, spoiler. He, he's he's my number four running back overall this week. The 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 way that that team runs, they they have a terrible offensive line, so he's always needed as a checkdown and and also as the first read. Sometimes he's a very good running back too. Um, he's and he totally totally. He would have had a bigger week too if not for like two like one bad holding call and right. a, a shove in the back or something that erased right. two Eckler touchdowns off the board. Yeah. But uh yeah, I'm very happy that I have him in one of my leagues because I was like, oh, go and draft him. Did not, did not expect this kind of performance, but you know. A, a little horn toot. I did say that Austin <laughs> Eckler was going to be just as efficient as Melvin Gordon. And I think we're well, we're not at, the, at that new cycle just yet. I don't think until more Melvin Gordon uh information surfaces, but I think the Chargers gotta be asking themselves, like, do we want Melvin Gordon to come back? Right. And we, 
six or eight or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't think so. I think you trade them. Well, I, so I, I don't think that they're going to find a, a trade partner. Uh, if, if they, yeah, I don't think they're going to find a trade partner because he's not going to agree to anything unless he has a, a, a long-term deal fully figured out. I think, it, I think it'd be very hard to trade him, but the worst Can case I offer scenario, you Jordan Howard? <laughs> oh, right. But can I have you Jordan Howard? And will you pay both of their salaries? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, no, I don't think they, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to find a, a trade partner. And at the same time, like having him on the roster, isn't a bad thing. They, they, they probably won't make him active on game days, but like having Melvin Gordon as your number three running back on an NFL team is, is pretty awesome. You know, they, they can pay him $2 million to be quiet and that every they're in a good position. And so is he, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Uh, my week, two, my week two MVP, also a running back, uh, but not Austin Eckler. Uh, I'm impressed that we've, we've bounced around from all different uh, players. Dalvin cook is my guy for this week. Uh, he's fifth in total points. So going into, into Monday night, uh, which hasn't happened yet. So maybe Nick Chubb will have a, just a monster game for my fantasy team. And, and score, you know, 50 points. But it's also just, it's what's great about it and the why, I, why I wanted to highlight him is just because he's, so much of his early career has been hampered by injuries. And now we're finally seeing who Dalvin Cook can be as a running back. And he just looks phenomenal. Like he is the thing that makes that Vikings offense move. And then Kirk Cousins is the thing that makes that Vikings offense collapse and die in a spectacular manner. So clearly... Dalvin Cook's going to get a ton of work going forward this season. I can understand why they all love their week one performance where Kirk Cousins threw the ball 10 times because when you have him throw more than 10 times, you lose the game uh, with a back-breaking interception when you just kind of chucked it up first in inches from the from the goal line. But Dalvin Cook, fantasy MVP for week two is my pick. Yeah, the name of the game is opportunity, and they are literally just completely comfortable with turning around and handing the ball off to Dalvin Cook as many times as possible because her cousins looks a little rough. Yeah. Doesn't look great. I have to just briefly come to Kirk cousins defense and say, it's really, really difficult to do your job when your boss is telling your opponents what you're going to do. And I, I think that he's a fine NFL starter, uh, but he's in a very, very crappy situation where they're only passing in very, very obvious situations. Um, I, I wish better for Kirk. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just feel that any player should be able to overcome not only a defense, but also being undermined by your own staff. I just think that that's what you want in a franchise quarterback. So <laughs> clearly Kirk Cousins is not that, not a franchise quarterback. I saw you uh, take a big inhale there when I was talking. I was like, all right, we're about to get into this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> about to bring the fire. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, there's lots of factors going on in, in uh, Minnesota, it seems like. But the one that is effective is Dalvin Cook running the football. So there you go. Those are our picks for week two uh, fantasy MVP. If you have any on your roster, congrats to you. Uh, Lamar Jackson's campaign is running strong. Now let's hit up a little bit of news. The biggest stuff coming from this week was, of course, both Drew Brees and uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger are going to miss significant time. Drew Brees missing six weeks. Ben Roethlisberger is, going, is out for the rest of the season. Um, and so we figured we would talk about those injuries, obviously, but also the fantasy impact, what is going on with those teams, and what you can kind of expect from big names from those uh, from those two squads. So we'll start with Drew Brees. Uh, he had 
torn tore a ligament in his thumb and he's out six weeks. Uh, they were, I think he's going to get surgery ultimately um, in order and it's on his throwing hand. So we'll see what happens. This is going to open the door for podcast favorite, Teddy Bridgewater, where we're just hoping for the best Teddy. Hope you hope you're doing well. He looked fine ish coming in for, uh, for breeze and the better part of the Rams game on Sunday. Uh, I'll start us off talking about this impact in terms of Michael Thomas. So if you're a Michael Thomas owner and you're like, oh, my God, I, you know, Drew Brees is down. What can I expect? I'm terrified. They're breaking news. Beckham's catch just now was insane. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, breaking news. Oh, my God. Huh. Anyway, sorry, as you were, as you were. By the way, they, uh, uh, Brian Poole, the, the nickel corner, was like hugging him as he ran down the field earlier. It's, I'm just so waiting. Funny. Jordan is on a massive delay here. Oh, that was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <There it is. laughs> that, was, that was a really good throw, too. Uh, Baker looking hot. Right, anyway, sorry. Um, Pete, back to it. Yeah, back to it. <laughs> So, but I am here to tell you, all you Michael Thomas owners, I don't think it's time to panic. I don't think it's time to fret. Uh, he had 10 catches on 13 targets for 89 yards, much of that coming one, once Breeds was out. I think the biggest thing, right, that Thomas offers, or the Thomas is going to get his targets. That is not going to change. And especially when you have a quarterback who is not as good as Drew Brees, who can't spread the ball around as good as him, I think you're going to see that Michael Thomas is still going to get double-digit targets. And Michael Thomas is good enough to take those double-digit targets and do production with them. So I don't think he's anyone who you need to suddenly freak out about and think is unplayable. I think he drops maybe from a high-end wide receiver one to maybe a low-end wide receiver one possible high-end wide receiver too but it's not so much so that you're like panicking trying to trade him trying to move him I think he is going to more or less be able to withstand uh his fantasy value will be able to withstand the Drew Brees injury yeah I think when you suffer an injury like this and this could just be my own personal bias I thought with Devontae Adams over the past couple of years that when your starting quarterback goes down the best way to like alleviate that pressure is to make sure that your other really good players on offense can um, help shoulder the weight. I think most of all, especially for the uh, New Orleans offense that it impacts, excuse me, it impacts other people's uh, fantasy value because it kind of depends on, we don't know if Teddy Bridgewater has a favorite yet or if, uh, if Drew Brees made those other guys look a little bit better than they actually are. So it, it all depends. I think that uh, what what's going to end up happening here is that it, um, touches are going to be funneled to their big guys. So I think you're right, Pete. Uh, Michael Thomas is probably going to be okay. He's going to be getting uh, more targets. They're probably, you know, they're going to be less valuable uh, and closer to the line of scrimmage, although he's already very, very close to the line of scrimmage. Um, same sort of thing for Alvin Kamara. His touches probably increase a bit. But it's not, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a trade off. They're going to be getting more volume, but uh, less less high quality uh, or less. Uh, anyway, they won't be I as just, efficient. His his touches won't be. Thank as you. Efficient. Yes, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I do think it hurts the ancillary pieces, um, but Latavius might get a few more touches too. Pete, if you don't mind, I'll use this to go into the Alvin Kamara segue right away, talk, baby. Because we're, I, I think we're all in agreement here. The uh, 
with the the one thing I do want to combat is the idea that sometimes a quarterback is hurt, and I believe the meathead reaction, which I don't like, is the uh, this is going to create more for the running back, and I I don't buy into that. I want my running back to play on a highly productive offense. And if that means that wide receivers get a lot of yards too, and maybe the running back has some off games where he's not relied on, that's fine. So I believe that's true with Alvin Kamara. It's better to have him playing in the Drew Brees offense where more people are going to get touches. But I don't think that this really kills his value. I got a trade offer for uh, Alvin Kamara today, which uh, I did not think was even close to fine. Uh, but, you know, I don't blame the owner for doing it because sometimes people panic. Uh, I'm not trading Kamara. I, I still believe that he is a specimen NFL player. I think that he takes a hit. I like y'all's take that maybe the, stud, the studs will get more touches, but the quality of those touches is going to go down. Hopefully Breeze comes back uh, after just six weeks and that offense returns to stride uh, just in time for you to make your fantasy playoff push. But no need to panic on Kamara. You're not going to get full value for him in any kind of trade. So I'm just starting him and hoping that I have enough elsewhere to make up for it. I think that that was a really good thing to, to point out there, Clark, that, that uh, you are not going to be able to trade him high right now unless there's, you know, you're in a, a league with some sort of Saints lover and uh, they just, they, you know, they're a Kamara truth or kind of a thing. Are we going to talk about the uh, Saints letting Taysom Hill? take some passes across the middle of the field after Drew Brees got hurt. So <laughs> like, yeah, let's just have our, uh, our new backup to be running across the middle, become a wide receiver so he can get injured. Uh, the Alvin Kamara, I'm a little more worried about Kamara than I am about Michael Thomas, just cause I feel Kamara. And maybe this is, maybe this is more of a Testament to the Rams defense rather than what the saints offense will be like moving forward. Kamara just didn't, there wasn't as much space on the ground for him to operate. I think he finished with like 45 yards on 13 touches, which isn't really great uh, in terms of efficiency. And and that's what we talked about, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I think in the passing game, 10 targets, even if that drops to like nine yards a target, that's still better yards than like three yards a carry on 13 carries. If you don't have Kamara, definitely send a low ball offer. I'll actually, actually, Becca's not listening right now, but she's the one with Alvin Kamara in our league. I'm going to try to steal it from her. I'm going to send her Mark Andrews because she needs tight end help for Alvin Kamara. (laughs) (laughs) Make it happen, Captain. No, actually, I was thinking she has OJ Howard, who she's been very disappointed with. So I was going to propose to her Devontae Adams and uh, Mark Andrews for OJ Howard. I'll take him off her hands and Alvin Kamara. Sounds like a lost trade for you, Pete. <laughs> well, I've loaded at wide receiver. And a happy wife is a happy life, Jordan. Wouldn't know. <laughs> is there anyone else on the Saints offense who you think is negatively impact or positive in? positively impact i know we touched a little bit on uh, latavius murray do you think that or does anyone here think that this gives him a boost is there other people in the saints offense we want to make sure we highlight based around uh drew Brees's injury i don't think so it's it's pretty unfortunate just uh you know i think we we started to see ted ginn kind of separate there as the the deep threat uh, and that was exciting i perhaps jared cook's value increases a little bit because he really wasn't hitting his ceiling that we kind of thought that he he might be able to hit um but uh, no i, I think i think we've pretty much got everything handled. I think Bridgewater's fine if you're in a deep 2QB league. 
he, he's worth spending some fab on if you're really hurting and you really need some help to kind of get your team righted. But I wouldn't spend a lot on him. All right. Uh, before we move on to the Steelers offense and talk about how Big Ben's injury affects them, we're going to do a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about Ben Roethlisberger, who's now out for the rest of the season with an elbow injury. First of all, this uh, this might be Big Ben's. I mean, what percentage of you thinks that this is Big Ben's last year in in Pittsburgh? Is there? Do you think that this is above fifty percent his last year? Because I could see him just being like, I mean, recover from an elbow injury. Maybe the Steelers, Mason, maybe Mason Rudolph actually looks really good, and they're like, "Woo, we're done. We're on this road." I wouldn't be surprised if he retires at the end of this year, especially since he's been flirting with it for like the last 13 years. I would be extremely surprised if he retired, but I mean, we're guessing, but a 3% chance that he retires. Yeah. I, I, I would expect him to come back, but uh, Pete, I do think that it's, it, uh, the chances are high enough that it's worth kind of debating. Yeah. I think it all relies on whether or not Mason Rudolph actually plays well, you know, if the Steelers are ready to move on then. And just might be like, hey, Ben, time to go, man. Time to time to get your butt out of town. Um, okay, obviously the biggest guy on this offense who we need to talk about is Juju Smith-Schuster, who already was kind of off to a slow start to the season, not really producing at the level that many people thought. Not what we thought, though. And let the record show. This podcast has always been kind of lukewarm, especially doubter of Juju Smith-Schuster extraordinaire, Clerk Burns over there in that upper left-hand corner. Look at him. Uh, Jordan. What is your feeling about Juju's fantasy value now with uh, with Mason Rudolph under center and just for the rest of the season going forward? Um, I'm even colder on Juju Smith-Schuster. I thought he was a very good wide receiver too, but I'm not sure that always means you can be a wide receiver one. I, this year especially, he just has a lot of uh, a lot of things to learn in terms of being the guy, being the top one, and I just don't know if Pittsburgh's even good. Like, I didn't know if they're good with Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think drafting a middle linebacker was going to fix all the problems that they have on their defense because they're still very spotty in the secondary. And I don't know if Mason Rudolph is good. Obviously, they like him enough to have drafted him in the second round last year. But I just don't – I don't I don't trust Juju Smith-Schuster that much. Right now, he's currently – what wide receiver 44 in ESPN leagues. He's had some catches, some decent yard totals, but I mean, if you're averaging like the 10.9 points per game that he is right now, that's 
it's not enough. Like people were drafting him as the wide receiver one. It's acceptable. Like, sure, give me double digit points every week. That's fine with me. But you want some some 20 spots from your number one guy every now and then. And I think not having Ben Roethlisberger there with the rapport that they've built over the past couple of years, that it will slow down Juju Smith-Schuster even a little bit more. Yeah, this is why predicting this stuff is just impossible. I picked Juju Smith-Schuster as like the wide receiver 8 to 12, not because I think he's a bad player, but just because I thought he was going to struggle to be the wide receiver one. Now, two games into the season, uh, we'll have no idea who was right about that unless Juju like absolutely lights up the league for like 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. So that's why this is fun. Uh, I mean, I think it's obviously a huge knock to Juju Smith-Schuster's value maybe Rudolph is has magically changed sorry maybe Rudolph has has improved a ton and is worth playing (laughs) we'll see uh it it just sucks for the Juju Smith-Schuster owners and you know Ben Roethlisberger never struck me as like an incredibly great human being so selfishly it sucks for us that we're not going to get to see who was right about Juju in his second year yeah, I, if I'm a Juju owner, I'm panicking and I'm selling him for pennies on the dollar. Like I'm whatever I can get for him, I'm I'm getting out from under him because I just even though he's probably going to see a ton of volume in that offense, he is not shown even with Ben Roethlisberger under center to t- be able to turn that volume into production. Uh, like they they need to figure out who uh, they need another wide receiver to pair with Juju. He can't do it by himself. Uh, with James Conner banged up, with them still figuring out if James Washington is the guy or if Drop Moncrief is the guy. Drop Tay Moncrief. There it is. Damn it. I should have done that in my first <laughs> take and have been really good. Um, <laughs> thanks. I like that. Thanks. Um, like, it's a, we talked about this last week's podcast where it's like, hey, guess what? This is what happens when you let two Hall of Fame talents leave your team. You're suddenly you know your offense doesn't move the football as well and your number who you thought was your clear-cut number one receiver who was operating out of the slot and having tons of success with that because you had Antonio Brown taking a ton of attention of the defense on the outside can't really do that when your outside receivers are a second year guy and someone who drops every ball that's thrown within three feet of him all right you ready So here's what I'm thinking for, for uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, not having Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback hurts. You're, you're transitioning to Mason Rudolph, who is obviously an unproven commodity. Um, in week one, he was still running 69% of his uh, routes out of the slot. Yeah. What percent? Uh, you got it. 69. Um, nice. So he was, still, he was still basically the featured slot receiver in this offense. How do, how do things change on the outside now that Ben Roethlisberger is gone? Well, we can see uh, when we're watching the game, James Washington is the superior receiver to Dante Moncrief. James Washington is the guy that I'm going to talk about here. Washington and Mason Rudolph have been playing together for, I think it's five years now. They went to, this is uh, borrowing from, it, we'll, we'll get a little silly here, but from Adam Levitan, who, who likes to put forth the, the shower narrative which is that when two players shower together for years and years and years, they become more comfortable, develop better chemistry. Anyway, Mason Rudolph and James Washington, act like there, I got a scary reaction. Uh, Mason Rudolph and James Washington uh, played three years together at Oklahoma State and were prolific to say the least. Um, 
in the preseason in each of the last two years, James Washington has gone off. He's if you play DFS, he's the guy to own in the Pittsburgh offense. Nick, do you That's play because preseason football DFS? <laughs> I well, I can't because <laughs> Washington, but but for for DFS sharks, preseason is absolutely the most lucrative uh, part of the year because you meet people play don't know what they're doing and don't know who they're going after. That like if, if you get into the the like echo chambers of the pros. They all they want is more preseason. But anyway, that's the point of this is James Washington. uh, James Washington was not on the field because Ben Roethlisberger was running the offense and he preferred Dante Moncrief with Ben Roethlisberger gone. They're going to roll James Washington out there more. And if they have an effective receiver on the outside, that makes life a lot easier for the slot receiver. Now, it is obviously a downgrade at quarterback. So that hurts. But I do think with what we were talking about with the Saints where Michael Thomas's targets are going to go up because he's the alpha receiver there, I think that Juju Smith-Schuster's targets in the slot are likely to increase as well. I think that he, he's, his value probably drops a little bit more in standard, but I think in PPR, half-point PPR, he's still going to be peppered with, with targets and is going to be, because of the fact that they now have an effective receiver running on the outside in James Washington, this you know, is what I assume or what I believe will happen. Uh, it will make life easier on Juju Smith-Schuster. So for me personally, I am buying Juju Smith-Schuster at his reduced cost. Hmm. Yeah, no, and we saw James Washington, I mean, against the Patriots, he was, you know, he had some struggles here and there, but he got past uh, Jason McCourty for a big, like, 40-yard grab. Like, he's got wheels, he can get by, down there. And unlike Dropte Moncrief, he can catch the ball. So that's a huge plus to have when you have a receiver on the field. I I've started to, and I, I want to hear your guys's feelings on this because in today's NFL where everyone, it's a lot of scheming. It's a lot of really creating open spots in the offense and uh, in, in the defense to take advantage of. I guess I feel like there isn't, I don't. I never. I don't anticipate a massive drop off between starter and backup as much as I used to, um, and maybe that's partially the Nick Nick Foles syndrome, where Carson Wentz went down and Nick Foles seemed perfectly competent moving that offense. Um, and so, and you know, there are obviously some drop offs that are are greater than others, but I don't know. I I I, I think that. I think in today's NFL and to today's offense, I think where it used to be like if you lost your starting quarterback, you're just screwed, you're done. I feel like that is rings maybe less true in this NFL. Not in the sense that you're going to I think that I don't think the Steelers have any chance of really making a playoff push, but I don't think that their offense is so completely fucked that you should not be keeping parts of it or having stock in it. I think that we've seen some examples where offensive genius coach can take relatively serviceable backup and make the offense still look competent. I think uh, neither one of those parties exist in Pittsburgh. And I do not think that it's going to be pretty, but I mean, it's the NFL. It's going to be interesting to see how it, how it turns out, but. I don't think I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, so. no, that's and, and and I mean, like I said, I'm I'm far more worried about Juju than I am about Michael Thomas, and I think part of that is is just because I trust Sean Payton to create an offense that still functions with Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback. And you're right, Clark. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that that kind of offensive intelligence is there in Pittsburgh in order to quickly create something with Mason Rudolph on the fly. The upside is that Juju still. Uh, continues to work and puts it together by the end of the season, which is 
pretty much the most important part and the only reason to play fantasy football. And that Mason Rudolph benefited from having a redshirt year last year. Like he, there's something to be said for being somebody who has a year under their belt and is just there learning, being learning what it takes to be an NFL quarterback, professional, yada, yada, even though I don't anticipate Ben Roethlisberger being like a mentor type. Um, I just think it's very possible that both those situations play out and that Mason Rudolph has been very studious and is ready to go. Yeah. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Uh, I will say once Mason Rudolph took over, Vance McDonald had two touchdowns. So if you need a tight end and Vance McDonald is available in your league, he is, I would say, worth the ad. Well, and that's awesome for us because we talked a lot about Vance leading into this season. I, I had him as as part of uh, as tight Great to bring it back to us. Well done, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, we do need to to talk about our genius, and right. and Naturally. we actually have had some hits that I wanted to get into a little bit later. But nice. but let's 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 move it along. Speaking uh, of hits, Kyle Rudolph got on the board this week. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> It took a second for me to figure out who you were talking about, Clark. I was like, Mace, Mace, Mace. We were just talking about Mason. Oh, okay. Big yeah. week for Rudolph. Big week for Rudolph's all around. Uh, this is almost as big as Christmas for them. Uh, finally, in the news, just one more injury that went down. Not a big quarterback, so we didn't spend as much time talking about it. Michael Gallup is out for two to four weeks with a torn meniscus. Uh, he's getting surgery, which is bummer. He was looking really good in that offense, um, but this does mean that you know Jordan's boy Randall Cobb's probably going to get some more work, uh, and uh, and Devin Smith. Who who finally is healthy and and took three catches for like seventy yards and a touch um, on Sunday is probably going to get a, a bit more work now that he is That's able the to one. yeah to stay healthy and whatnot. But it also means yeah. a buttload of targets from my Amari Cooper baby. Woo! Yeah, I, I do think that Devin Smith steps into the Michael Gallup role probably with like two fewer targets per game than than what Gallup was going to end up getting. But he he can uh, play the role uh, to a a reasonable uh, desire. It's also luckily an injury in which you can just sort of weather the storm. Uh, hopefully you have some other wide receiver yeah. tour flex options to just plug in and just wait it out. Yeah. Two to four weeks. Isn't, isn't the worst, not the end of the world. Uh, and like, and like, I mean, Michael Gallup is, is a fringe enough receiver that likely he was your wide receiver four player who like just happily broke into a flex spot. So you're not, you're not, Crump, uh, crumpled, crumpled. <laughs> it is a bummer because he was like yeah. approaching low end wide receiver two territory, just yeah. given the way that offense is humming. But yeah, yeah. Ah, it's amazing what a good offensive coordinator does for a team. The theme of the podcast. Uh, all right, the Seahawks twenty twenty. Yeah, Kellamore. Kellamore is going to get picked up in a heartbeat. He's going to be a head coach next year. I will promise you that until Jerry Jones overpays for him. Um, He's going to be the head coach for the Cowboys. Yeah. So this is, so this is a debate that I was, I was listening to the around the NFL podcast and they were having this debate. Is, is it just basically a lock? If this, if the Cowboys offense continues to look this good throughout the whole season is regardless of what the Cowboys do this year, is Jason Garrett going to get fired so that they can keep Kellen Moore in this team? Like if the, if Jason Garrett wins the Super Bowl with Kellen Moore's offense, does Jerry Jones just fire him on the spot in order to keep Kellen Moore? No, uh, 
I per, perhaps, but it is not something that I would bank. That would that would be banking on rational decision making from Jerry Jones, and and that is a dangerous game for us to be playing. I love playing roulette, so let's guess. So let's do this. <laughs> let's speculate wildly. I would love to see it. This 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 team obviously is really fun to watch with Kellen Moore uh, at, at the helm. It would be a blast to watch, but. Uh, yeah, I'm much more uh, uh, cynical on that front. Or does or does Jerry Jones be as maniacal as hell and let Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott play this whole season together? Then lets Kellen Moore leave and says, "All right, Dak, now we're going to pay you like you're in Jason Garrett's offense again." <laughs> <laughs> maniacal Jerry Jones. Um. Okay. Well. Let's uh, wrap things up with waiver wire ads. You've got one person to add off of waivers. Who are you getting? Clark, start us off. I, was, I'm also, I had so many backups, but I get to go first. This is great. Uh, it pays me to say this as a dyed-in-the-wool Houston Texans fan, but DJ Chark is for real. Yes. He's, he's put up two games now, and, and it, isn't, it isn't box score watching here. When you watch DJ Chark play, he looks like a number one receiver. He's showing great body control. He's showing fantastic hands. He's a huge dude. And when you look huge on an NFL field, that's quite an accomplishment. So even with Gardner Minshew as the quarterback, you you should go out and spend some money on DJ Chark. I would give up my waiver priority for DJ Chark if I was hurting at wide receiver because this is the kind of pickup that can pay off all year. I don't think that he's going to end up as a top 10 wide receiver, but as a top 20 wide receiver that you can start and get eight or nine solid quality starts out of even in a perhaps questionable Jaguars defense. I think that you, he's an, a no brainer ad this week. Owned in 13% of Yahoo leagues. So this is awesome. This is one of the guys who, who I wanted to, to, uh, to bring up at some point, you guys, cause we, I mean, Pete, I think we probably had listeners going, who the fuck are they talking about last week? We were talking ad nauseum about DJ Chark. This is awesome. Yeah. Like we, he, he, he popped off the screen and I'm not a film guy by any means, but he looked so good. And, and Gardner Minshew loved throwing the ball to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, adios, uh, DD Westbrook. That's a real bummer because yeah. we were all <laughs> super high on him and the Foles uh, slot receiver connection. But, uh, no, Chark looks sick it he, that is a a fun offense to watch right now with with you know Minshew's mustache slinging balls all over the field so if we could take a moment to talk about me I I don't get to watch the games on Sunday anymore because I'm working I managed to not see the Texans score or hear anything about it and all day and then I watched the game this morning finishing up in the office screen well silently screaming <laughs> at Eric Reed catching young Leonard Fournette right near- at the goal line what a game okay i thought he was in man that's I, impressive of he did. <laughs> well so here's the thing, clark i was watching red zone so i didn't see all of the the like you know on the proper channel yeah. uh replays did it look like he was stopped because i was i have fournette of course so i'm over here going so he was walking in there's there are multiple angles that looks both ways it looked like uh it looked like no on the live play and then when you looked at replay you just can't tell yeah or that that's my opinion oh. trying to be fair about it you just can't really see that's such a oh god that's so Clark I'm impressed that you uh you were able to last the entire all of Sunday without knowing anything about that game I know good for you I, I, like it usually never works out like that and then when it does it's like 
glory 43 to 12 and the game sucks but to have it all come together i just felt you know everyone really wants to hear about that yeah so extrapolate that just to stroke my ego here extrapolate that to game of thrones for two weeks (laughs) yeah that's hey man that's why i used to be in the opening (laughs) (laughs) it's an impressive feat uh Clark, you were talking about wide receivers who you should, you know, give a waiver priority, go out and get. I have a guy who's similar uh, to DJ Chark in my mind, and that's DK Metcalf, who has, for the first two weeks, had at least six targets and has at least 60 yards, put up a touchdown this week. Um, He looks like everything that the draft, you know, scouts were saying. He's a big physical guy who can get downfield. Russell Wilson who has gorgeous deep balls is just dropping it into his bread basket every time uh, that uh, that three cone drill hasn't really come into impact him at all. So, you know, chill a little bit there peeps. Um, but yeah, I think he is someone who I would happily get onto my team and then just watch him continue to produce because he seems to be a vital and key part of that Seahawks offense. I like it. The Seahawks have to get production from somewhere. It's always tough to get these guys after their touchdown game. Right. But maybe maybe your league is sleeping a little bit. I would go pick him up if I had the roster spot. I wouldn't spend big for him, but I would give up priority this early in the season for it. And if you're not using Fab, use Fab. I don't even like talking about priority. <laughs> Nick, who are you rushing to add off waivers? So I mean, I, I got a bunch, and I'm really glad that we that we touched on um, that we touched on Chark and, and Devin Smith already. Um, th- this one's for the uh, for the just barren wasteland that is tight ends you guys you could do worse than to add jason witten i know that that sounds crazy i know yeah pete you should <laughs> yeah um that offense is living in opposing red zones and i think that it's very likely that he finishes with 6.4 points but when they get in there they are drawing up plays for him inside the five and he's he's got two touchdowns through two games i don't think he's going to be uh, racking up yardage by any means, but if you are just in a desperation situation, like if you drafted OJ Howard, you are now what you probably did last week. You didn't make any moves because you went, okay, it's OJ Howard. We're fine. And then this happened. And now TJ Hawkinson, who also, you know, busted, but all those breakout tight ends from week one are off the waiver wire already. So I'm just saying if, if you are in dire straits, Jason, you could do worse than Jason Wynn, but if you want a real answer, then uh, Demarcus Robinson and Debo Samuel. Yeah, that's a much better answer. But yeah, I mean, I I, w- I was going to, I do the waiver wire article for fake teams every week and Jason Witten was thought about being put on there. So. Yeah, why not with Jason Witten? He's consistent and he, I feel like once they get down to the red zone, they're like, these teams are expecting us to pull some wild Kellen Moore play out of our ass. But instead they're just like, we're just going to go to all reliable over here. I, you know, sometimes you hear somebody say something and, and you just, we talk about all the reasons that it should be. And I'm going to continue doing that. Uh, who would you leave open in the Cowboys offense? Jason Witten would be like number one on my list of like, we're going to put our worst dude on that. Cause we've got Zeke, we've got Amari Cooper. We've got Dak. Like, who are we going to leave? Well, we'll see if Witten can beat us. And like, Oh crap, he did. 
Man. This is, sounds like Jason Witten was a really good pick. <laughs> this is why the Chargers need to go get uh, Antonio Gates on their team ASAP for the exact same reasons, because defenses will be like, oh, 35-year-old Antonio Gates? Yeah, we'll, we'll let him be. Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, <laughs> Keenan Allen, those are the guys we have to worry about. And then you have Antonio Gates open all the time in the red zone. This is a new strategy, you guys. We're going to become famous world-renowned NFL-changing offensive coordinators because we're going to keep one really old, slow guy on the field at all times, and defenses will just forget about him. It's perfect. It's foolproof plan. Uh, Jordan, wrap us up. Who's the guy who you're running to add off waivers? Um, so this is a week that I'm just going to pat myself on the back. At least for this one week, I invested a lot of stock in this guy in some dynasty leagues. All three dynasty leagues, I was making sure to grab this guy in. Um, it's a different Seahawk. It's Mr. Will Disley, the tight end in Seattle. Uh, because he had five catches, 50 yards, and two touchdowns this week, he's owned in 2.2% of ESPN leagues. And if people remember last season before Disley got hurt, he was looking like a pretty consistent favorite target of Russell Wilson. Um, I don't watch the Seahawks that closely, but I don't think a lot of people really remember who Will Disley is or was, and that is why he is super unclaimed right now. Um, if you can keep, you know, racking up those targets, he's another tight end option um, that, you know, if, if Becca is listening right now that she can add instead of making a trade with her husband, that's totally <laughs> fine. Zip it, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Waivers open up tomorrow morning. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Disley is a, is a guy who's often talked about out here um, in the ambiguously maybe Seattle area that I live. Um, he scares the hell out of me, and he's coming off a patellar tendon tear. And I, I you know, I don't know if you guys know, but Seattle and uh, and tight ends and patellar tendon tears don't you know go very well together. But what, is Dave, um, what does Doctor David Chow have to say about patellar tendons? He's so far he's been like pretty impressed with the fact that he's <laughs> bounced back. Um, but I, I actually, I don't, that's, it's a very good question. I, I will go, uh, I'll have a, a more informed answer for you next week. Awesome. For our Dr. David Chow says segment. Cool beans. Awesome. Well, there you go. Oh, Clark. Yes. Okay. So just real quick, Raheem Mostert, plenty of uh, juice in the San Francisco backfield to support two people. I know that he popped in and had a huge game. I wouldn't expect that, but there's plenty to go around. And Darwin Thompson is now one step closer to where we wanted him to be mm. when the season started. He's been dropped everywhere. He's 18% owned. If you have the space, go pick him up too. But, okay. Nice. Yes. Darwin Thompson. Good call. Excellent. Well, um, make sure to... You wrote it. You're, oh, you're just for your last second thing. I took the time to write this down. I'm getting it on the show. <laughs> Good. No, that's, that's <laughs> interject, man. Got to get these points across. Uh, woo, there we go. Make sure to subscribe uh, on everywhere you get your podcast. Big Teams Podcast channel. Uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Whole Nine Yards. Leave us five stars. Write us a nice review because you love us. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick uh, Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you guys on Thursday to talk week three starts and sits. And until then, peace.